Welcome to Making Lemonade. I'm Wit. And I'm Kels. And we started this podcast to bring connection and support to this community. We know that every single person goes through tough situations in life. And we wanted to help share stories of those situations to help others not feel so alone. We are not therapists or doctors. Our opinions are our own. The opinions expressed by the guests on each episode is their own and doesn't necessarily share our same views. You can find information and resources shared by each guest in the episode notes or on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, on today's episode, we have Bryn and she was so fun to listen to. She told us about the story of her son, Brig, and his journey with leukemia. He was diagnosed at six years old, which is just the saddest thing I can't imagine. A little tiny six-year-old being diagnosed with something so big, but the way she told the story and how he handled it was so inspiring to hear. I think kids with cancer diseases are so resilient and Mm -hmm. strong Sometimes when I hear these stories, I'm like, would I ever act that? I know. Good. They're little superheroes. They really, you know? really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we were just so glad that she was able to come and share her story with us. And um, we're just so happy that he's doing well. And I don't know. I just loved hearing how their journey went. Yeah, she does a good job and gives us little nuggets along the way, some good advice. So yeah. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome, Bryn. We're excited to talk to you today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where your story begins? Okay, I um, am a mom to three kids, and my story begins in December of 2013. Um, I had a little six, or he was six at the time, and um, he was kind of... um, tired all the time, tired, getting bloody noses all the time. Um, but he got bloody noses all the time anyway. And so I didn't think about it too much. And he was in first grade, just starting first grade. So I was like, yeah, of course he's tired. He's going all day. Um, and over Christmas break, so on December 30th, um, he had a lymph node that got really swollen and he had a fever of 103. So I'm like, oh, okay, I better take him to the doctor. So, um, I called our pediatrician and they told us they could get us in at six o'clock that night. And so I brought him in, didn't think like too much of it. And, um, the doctor came in and she's like, I'm not worried about too much, but I'm worried about his color. Like, is he always that pale? And I was like, well, no, but it is winter. Like he's never outside. And she's like, okay, let's do some labs and and see. I'm thinking he probably has low iron. So they did labs, and um, she continued to talk to me. She told me, like, maybe he drinks too much milk because that can crowd out something to do with red blood cells. And um, so we waited for the labs, and the nurse came in, and she was crying. And she um, said, Dr. Garg, needs to talk to you, but she needs your husband here too. And so I call my husband and I'm like, Hey, you need to come down here. I don't know what's going on, but they won't tell me until you get here. So he, um, got our two girls. They were seven and no, 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 eight and three at the time, four, eight and four. (laughs) And brought them there and me and Brig were sitting in our room. Both of us were crying because we didn't know what was going on. And Dr. Garg came back in and um, the nurse took my kids and my husband, Tim, came in with me and they, she just said, your son has leukemia and you need to go to primary children's tonight. Um, they will start chemo tomorrow and you can go from there. It's on the fourth floor. And so we were both just shocked. (laughs) Like what I was thinking was nothing was leukemia in my six-year-old. So we got our girls together. I called my sister. I could, she lives in Brigham City. And I was just like, hey, they are telling us Brig has leukemia. 
um, can my girls come there? And she was like, yeah, that's fine. So I drop them off. And it's funny now because it's such a big part of my life. But like at the time, I couldn't even say cancer. Like I remember like whispering to her, they think he has cancer. And she was like, well, it'll be fine. Maybe like it'll be fine. So we drive down there. They were waiting for us. They bring us right up to the fourth floor. We're just assigned a random doctor. And um, he comes in and starts talking about leukemia, starts talking about chemo, which at this point, like I was totally naive to all of it. I thought chemo was like, uh, that's what you got when you got cancer or yeah, like you got chemo. I didn't realize it was like a million different treatments and doses and different types of chemotherapy. So that's like how naive I was. Um, he told us it was leukemia. There was a difference. There was AML and ALL and the AML is about a six month treatment, but it's very intense. And then the ALL is, um, less intense, but it's long. It's three years. Um, and so that first night, like I just kept like thinking, you know what? It's, it's not going to be real. Like they're going to come tomorrow. They're going to take his labs. They're going to be like, I don't know how we mix this up, but we did. And that didn't happen. They came back and they did say like, luckily he has ALL, which they told us, which was the good type of cancer to have. And, um, I don't know if they tell every parent that because a lot of my friends that I met up there, they were like, no, my doctor said that AML is the better one. It doesn't matter. But, um, Luckily, I feel lucky he had ALL because it's the most common pediatric cancer. Um, they, let's see. The next day we started chemo is when he started chemo and they just started pumping him full of different things. Uh, Vin Christine is one. It caused him a lot of jo uh, jaw pain and bone pain. And then... Um, the next day was New Year's Day. Or, I mean, the next day after the next day. That's when he got his pick line placed, which is how they administer the chemo. Um, they want it to go right to his heart because then it can pump out the chemo quicker. So um, they gave us his official diagnosis, gave us a game plan. The first six to nine months were what I thought was intense and rough, but... Um, it wasn't now that I've experienced more. Um, but let's see. So he got his pick line placed. We were there. We got his results back from his initial chemo within that seven. So we were at primary children's for about seven days. And, um, the next day, like he kind of was wondering like what was going on. And we told him like, you have leukemia and um, he had asked that because we had visitors come and everyone was crying when they would come and visit him. And so he said, like, why is everyone, why is everyone crying when they come and see me? And I told him like, you have leukemia and it's, it's a blood cancer and it's kind of a serious disease. And he looked at me and he's like, or I said, it's kind of a scary disease. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm not scared of leukemia. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, and then he was like, I was so scared that first night because I thought I had rabies. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know which is worse, leukemia or rabies. But he was relieved he didn't have rabies. So um, he, he handled it from six as a six-year-old more maturely than I even knew kids could handle things. Like, it's so dumb. But, like, he was asked to take these huge old antibiotic pills that were, like, the size of his thumb. I don't know. Um, they were huge. And he just did it. Like, no problems, no questioning. Like, he had to have tons of, um, like, labs done. He just let them poke. Like, they would just poke him, and he would just let him. And he wasn't always that way. Like, he would get sick of it, and he'd cry. He's six. He's seven. Like, even up until when he was 12, he was still crying with certain things. Um, so he was feeling, like, awesome. He didn't really care. He is, he was energetic. <laughs> he was happy. 
um, it really was kind of a sweet time in our life, which makes no sense. Um, we got home. Oh no. Um, the day before we left, I learned that I was responsible for his pick line care. And so I would have to flush his line every 12 hours, I think with heparin and saline to make sure it doesn't clot. And I was scared to death because like, I am not a nurse. I don't know how to do any of that. And um, luckily, like our nurse that night, like, oh, she was so good. Her name was Becky. And she like looked at me and she was like, you got this. It's not a big deal. Like you can do it. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do it. Like this will be fine. And so like if she had confidence in me, then I could do it. And she was like a game changer throughout our whole treatment. So we went home and that first month was rough. They call it induction. And um, he's on chemo. He has chemo he takes at home. Um, let's see. Oh, and steroids, which are the worst. Oh, my goodness, they're the worst. Um, it made Those steroids made him gain about 20, 25 pounds in the first month. And he was this little scrawny six-year-old. He got to go back to school at the beginning of February. And his teacher was like, I'm so glad you told me that, like how he looked because he did not look like himself at all. Um, which they told us that would happen and the effects of steroids, steroids, um, wore off and he returned to like looking like himself. Um, the first three years was hard. What I thought was hard, but it ended up being, it was fine. It was okay. We had so much support and so many people behind us and helping us and encouraging us, um, I think the biggest thing that helped us from that was on the way there when me and my husband and Brig were driving to Salt Lake for the first time. Um, I looked at my husband and I'm like, how are we going to do this? And he was like, I don't know, but we're going to be positive. And so I was like, oh, okay. And that changed everything. It changed everything everything. And then when we got our doctor, just by random, because he was the doctor that was on call that night, his name's Dr. Fluchel. He was perfect for me. Like he didn't feed into my anxiety, but he would give me enough like, yeah, I get that you feel that way, but like, don't let it consume you. Like he would tell us, um, like with Brig, like he needs to be a normal kid, like send him to school, but be careful. Like, um, the chemo knocks their counts down. So their lock knocks their platelets, their red blood cells, their white blood cells down. And the dangerous part is um, the white blood cells because you have no immune system. Um, and he would say, so they say an A and C, which is your immune system under 500, don't send them anywhere. Where my doctor was like, no, send them. Like if it's at zero, don't send them but send him because he needs to be there. Like he needs to be a kid. And that was the best thing for me. And it, which ended up being the best thing for Brig. Like he, oh my goodness. He went through those first three years, like no big deal. Like I'll have chemo and then I'll just go to school and then I'll go do this. And like nothing, he, nothing knocked him down. It did was he, amazing. Did he ever get frustrated? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like feeling yeah. different, you know, just yes. I want to be a normal quote unquote normal. Yes. Kid. Yep. Okay. Um, during his first, during this first treatment, he didn't quite grasp it, um, until his hair fell out. And then he was the bald kid at school and he became the cancer kid. And, um, like that was hard for him, but it got harder as he got older and his hair fell out. Um, but he, I think he kind of like, it really didn't phase him. It was amazing. Um, and he like, when his hair fell out, that was about five months into treatment. He was like pulling his hair out and laughing his head off. <laughs> I'm like recording him trying not to cry. And he is just like 
like gut laughing as he pulls his hair out and then had my girls come and pull his hair out. And it was like, it just pulls out. It's the craziest thing. And his little bald head was my favorite thing. Like to kiss that little bald head. Oh, so, so sweet. But I'm glad that he has hair now. Mm -hmm. Um, And his school was incredible to rally behind him and support us in any way and support him. Was there anything that stuck out to you during that time that somebody did Um, or that the school did that really kind of helped you Yeah, and him and your family? So they did, they were incredible. They did um, like a t-shirt fundraiser and everyone would wear, and it was a red shirt and everyone would wear that every Friday in support of Brig. And they did that the entire time he was in treatment. (laughs) Um, like the USU football team, our PTA, PTO, what is it called? PTA? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, her husband was a USU football coach and, um, she had the USU football team come and like do a like pep assembly for Brig and like get him all pumped up and fired up and the whole school. Like it was incredible. His teacher and the principal, we're just like, whatever you want, whatever you need. Like we can send him home for work. We can keep him here and keep him safe. We can do like whatever. They were so good to us. Um, yeah, that first day I brought him back, like I was just sat outside. I'm like, okay, bye. And then just sat outside his door and sat there the whole time. Like I can't go home, but um, like he needs, I don't know. I think just the encouragement from Flushell saying, like, let him be a kid mm-hmm. helped me, helped him, helped everyone. Um, so those first, let's see. Oh, and so his hashtag was Brigham for the win. And that came about from my best friend. So I had posted a picture of Brigham and he had like a hood on. This is before he was diagnosed when we were at the doctor's office. And I was like, it's no fun when you have to go to the doctor over Christmas break. And he looks like a boxer because of his hood. And he's got like these dumb shorts on. And my best friend was like, oh, Brigham for the win. So that became like his hashtag. And everyone was like, Brigham for the win. And it became like this big boxing theme, cancer treatment, something, which was awesome. Um, so... Part of our treatment was we would go to clinic once a month for the first, no, we went more than once a month, once a week for the first six months or so. And um, I met a lady and um, her name was Suzanne and her daughter had cancer too. And um, I was talking to her and I'm like, what, like, what advice do you have for me? And she was like... She's like, just be positive. I mean, why not? And it was just like, oh, okay. And um, so that, like with my husband saying be positive and then Suzanne being like, like, why not? Like making it so like, why not just be positive about this? Again, just changed our whole direction. Um, let's see. So in summer, like the first three years of treatment were really were nothing. He had a few hospital stays because he had a fever. And if um, neutropenic kids get a fever, they have to be admitted to the hospital, get um, antibiotics, and they don't get to leave till their fever's gone. He had a few of those, but it wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, We, he did maintenance for most of the initial diagnosis, which is just once a month, and then a steroid pulse. And um. Oh, and then an LP every three months, which is the lumbar puncture, where they check the spinal fluid. Um, when he was first diagnosed, he had he was standard risk. He um just had the standard amount of leukemia in his blood, which was good. He wasn't high risk. He wasn't low risk. He was just standard. But his spinal fluid was clear because there's like the blood brain barrier, and so they have to check like your blood and your spinal fluid, but his spinal fluid was clear. So that was like a huge blessing too. Um, 
So we were, it was January 2017, and it was his last LP. So it's a pretty big deal, like his last scheduled LP. We had been in treatment three years. Um, I wasn't feeling, I mean, I was trying to be excited, but I was just kind of like, eh, it's like I just had this feeling like it's not going to be his last and um, they gave him a certificate, took his spinal fluid, and later that night, Dr. Fluchel called me, and he um, said, hey, we found three cells in his spinal fluid. And um, he told me they had the same markers as his initial leukemia, but they couldn't diagnose, they couldn't call it a relapse yet. And so um, this is where like our story I feel like it really, really began. So I spent that whole night like just praying and just hoping and being like, come on, it's three cells. Like that can be a fluke. Like maybe it's just a fluke. And I even asked him that, could it be a fluke? And he was like, well, it could. And I hope it is. But um, like we do want to test him again. So um, he said in four weeks, let's test again. So within that four weeks, we... Um, prayed a lot and um, we had just in our ward we had just been moved to a different ward like a month before that and I feel like this is where the main like purpose of our story comes out Um, like this is where like the first three years was hard but this is where like I learned about God and I learned about um, faith and I learned about trials and my will versus God's will. And um, and I saw God in the details of like every little bit of our life. Um, so we had just been, we just got moved to a different ward or not moved, but like ward boundary changes or something. Um, our Relief Society president came over and she was like, hey, um, my son had leukemia and he relapsed. And I just (laughs) start bawling and I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) Like, this is what I need. I need someone that knows exactly how I feel. And like to this day, like she is just like a mom to me. Like she's the best. Um, so we had that. We had our bishop who was so, so good. He um, got up and said, um, asked our ward to pray and fast for us. And he had told us that when um, a group of people come together for a specific reason and fast and pray for that, um, God can intervene and miracles can happen. Um, and this is where I grew up a ton, uh, in my faith. So to me, I'm like, oh yeah, like we got this. Um, everyone's fasting for us. Everyone's praying for us. Like leukemia, it's, it's a fluke. I just know it like heavenly, that's what's going to happen. Um, and that during that time too, um, Brig was in fourth grade now. And so he had just thought about or not thought about. He had just like been told that we were relapsing, that he was relapsing. Um, His fourth grade teacher back a few months back started reading Sadaku and a thousand paper cranes. And um, it's about a girl that has leukemia. And um, it's like in her culture, if you fold a thousand paper cranes, you get to make a wish. And so she folds all these cranes and then gets to make a wish. And she wishes that her leukemia will go away or something like that. So um, once his teacher heard that like relapse was in question, she got her class and the whole school involved and to fold a thousand paper cranes for Brig. Um, And I will put a picture up or I'll give you guys a picture. Um, they like not even the school, the whole community was folding these cranes 
and giving them to her. And she hung them up in the hallway at Greenville Elementary. And um, like to walk under the hallway and see these like 1,500 cranes like brought this peace and brought this, I don't know, the support that you can get during that that carries you. Like it was just, it was unreal. So like I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling realistic too. But like I said, like my faith was very like juvenile. I don't know what you'd call it. Just where I was like, no, like there, it's going to be a fluke. Like no way would Heavenly Father put us through this. Like not two times in a row. Um, Like last month of treatment, like everyone's praying, like we have a sign of a miracle and which is what, so the thousand paper cranes is considered a sign of a miracle in this book. And so I'm like, there, like, it's totally, it's going to be so fun to tell everyone that guess what? Like we had a miracle and there's his, he's completely cancer free. So they go the next month and do the LP and Dr. Fluchel calls me and he's like, so his spinal fluid's not clear. But we don't know what's going on because there's only one to one and a half cells now in his spinal fluid. And he's like, we've ne- like we have a whole team of doctors and we're all scratching our head because we don't know why it would go down if that was cancer. And I was like, oh, I know why. Like <laughs> we have everyone praying and fasting for us. That's why. And so I was like, okay, okay. Like I'm good with that. And then um, he's like, what we want you to do is stop all chemo and come back in another month and we're going to do another LP. So we did that. And I, again, convinced like, this is it. Like, this is our miracle. And, uh, he goes in and we get the results back and there's five cells and that's enough to officially call it a relapse. So, um, like I was very, very sad. Um, I don't like breaking my children's hearts. So, um, they got home from school and they could tell that I had been crying and they were like, what's wrong mom? And I was like, well, um, they did find, they found five cells in Brigham's spinal fluid. So he's relapsed. And so we have two more years of treatment and, uh, Brig looks at me and he's like, oh, Okay. And I was like, what? You're okay with that? And he was like, I don't really care how my spinal fluid gets clear. Like if it's through chemo or if it's not, I don't care just as long as it does. And I was like, oh my gosh, this kid. Like so, so mature beyond his years. I want to be him when I grow up. Can I just say that? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) he's the best. Yeah. He is like... Yeah, little mm. brag on my 16-year-old you now. You should. Oh For my sure gosh. brag about him. He is like he's so normal, mm-hmm. but he's so tender-hearted and thoughtful and compassionate and weird. Like he's so weird. <laughs> but he's so <laughs> all teenage boys are so weird. So weird. <laughs> yeah. But he is like he is the best. Like looking through all of these pictures and all these memories, like I just started sobbing last night because I'm like, I can't believe all that this poor kid went through and all that my girls went through. Um, So we are at relapse treatment and it's intense. And um, they had told us that the highest doses of chemo that are allowed at primary children's were going to be given to Brig. Um, that there's tons of side effects and it was really terrible for him. But in true Brig fashion, like <laughs> he would have like his skin peeling off from the chemo and laughing his head off because it looked like lizard skin. <laughs> or he would be he got these mouth sores and he would just push through them or um after he came down on one of the chemos like the bottom of his foot was just covered with warts and it was so painful for him to walk and he would just like like it's fine it's fine let's just like let's go and he would try to run and like he he went through a lot but at the same time um 
a lot of my friends that I met there, their kids were going through a lot worse. And that's something I don't understand. And that's something that I've... I don't know. Like, it feels dumb for me to come and tell you guys the story. And I don't. Like, phrases like, you guys are so blessed, started to bug me. Because during relapse, we had about six other families that we met that had relapsed. Um, and their kids fought so hard and um, didn't make it. And so... I think my heart goes out to people that have lost their children, our relapse friends. There was like a group of us that all had kids that had relapsed. And um, like out of the six of us, and there was more, but there was like six of us that really were kind of tight. Um, like there's two of our kids are still here. And so phrases like, you guys are so blessed, like started to bug me because I'm like, Heavenly Father isn't blessing us more just because Briggs here. But like, it's not like you are not like I would never want to feel like someone's not blessed. Like Heavenly Father didn't bless them because that's not the point of life. But I also don't know. Um, And this is where like my faith really started to, I started to understand faith and I started to understand Christ. And, um, like this treatment was hard, um, for about the first, I don't even know, six to nine months. I should know this cause I lived it, but I don't. Um, we were in the hospital and Brig would do a round of treatment, and that would last about a month. So I would stay there mon- or Sunday through Friday. And my husband would come Friday night and then come back and then go home Sunday. I would go back to primary children's. Um, our poor girls were just tossed wherever oops, um, they could. Like, whoever could take them to school, like, thank you. And people just stepped in, and they just did it. Um, but... My oldest daughter was 12 at the time. Like, she had to grow up real fast and take care of my little eight-year-old. Like, get her ready for school, make sure they um, had eaten, like, be there after school. And, like, at the time, it's just what we had to do. Like, it's, it is what we had to do to survive and to make sure Brig got the care that he needed. Um, so, it was hard in that way because we were gone from each other a lot. And... Um, it was hard for Brick because he was going through intense chemo. Um, there were a few times that um, uh, that he would just plummet and alarms would go off and um those are scary, <laughs> but, and those are, are personal, but it helps me to know without a doubt that there's angels and that there's a God. Um, that time was hard because I worried and worried and worried. And Brig didn't give me reason to worry. Like he, he was so happy. I want you guys to meet him. He's, oh my gosh, he's the best. He was so happy throughout all of it. Like he had to give himself new pigeon shots. And um, those are so painful. And he would just like grit his teeth and just give himself shots. Oops, sorry. 
in his stomach and um his poor little stomach was covered in bruises um he had sores that they can get i think it's called mucositis and it um like the mucus glands from your mouth to other end get inflamed and infected um he had c diff which is like from your own bacteria but your immune system's wiped out and he just took it all like like bad news after bad news like he would just be like okay and like tears would silently run down his face but like he was just like okay and he'd be mad about it for a while and he'd be sad and then he would be back to being brig oh he was the best um During that time, too, we had so, so much support. My family was so great, and Tim's family was so great, and our community was so great. Um, People started sending us cranes from everywhere, and we hung them up in Briggs Hospital Room, and it just became, like, our home, away from home. Um, While I was there, too, like, Suzanne was there, the lady that I had met at the very beginning, and her daughter is one that had relapsed. Um, and I went to her and I'm like, Hey, how do I do this? And she was like, okay, you're going to want to, you're going to want to slap me, but you are never going to be in this situation again. Like, just enjoy it. And I was like, okay. And it was the best time of our lives. Um, Like me and Brig would go in the hospital halls late at night and run up and down the halls in his wheelchair. And like we would go to the cafeteria. We would watch TV all day. We would play the Switch. We would play like dumb games. He would paint like just me and him. It was the time of our lives. Um, Like we tried to be positive. Like that was our game plan. Like nothing else. Just be positive. Like find the good in things, find what happened, like, in that day, what was good, what happened today that was good, um, and sometimes it was, like, he didn't get a fever, which, why would he, like, nothing else was going right, but, like, at least he didn't get a fever, um, so relapse was just a patience game, which was really, really hard, um, a lot of the time, he was confined just to his room, Um, because he like either did have a fever, so they didn't let him out because like other kids are neutropenic up there too. Um, or when he had C. diff, like they had to come in in gowns and, um, like take care of him and then undress as they left. Um, and those days were really, really hard. I think the longest we ever were confined, like just to his room where he could not leave was 22 days. Um, and he made the most of it. Like he found things to do and he was happy. Um, all while still getting chemos that are at the highest doses and causing him pain. Um, one of the biggest things that was scary for him was bloody noses. He like was prone to bloody noses anyway, but then with his platelets being low because of the chemo, um, he would get them and he would bleed and he would bleed and he would bleed. Um, one time he was in for a fever and the doctor wanted to do a nasal swab on him. And this is something I just learned like a couple months ago. My husband didn't tell me he was with him up at primary children's and, um, Brig was like, don't do a nasal swab. It'll make my, my nose bleed. Like, don't do it. And his platelets were low and the doctor like, and this wasn't our doctor. This was just some doctor that was there he was like no we really need to do it and um like they begged him they begged him not to and they ended up doing it and Brig got a bloody nose and um they thought they had stopped it but it was really just bleeding into his stomach um and they didn't realize that for like about six hours it was just like bleeding and bleeding and he started throwing up blood and that's when they're like oh this like he's got this really bad bloody nose. It wasn't stopped. It has just been bleeding. He's just been swallowing it. Um, and that was one of the times that, um, they almost lost him. Um, I guess the doctor came in and told my husband to get out of the room and 
um, Briggs blood pressure because he had lost so much blood. His blood pressure was so low. And um, like that was, there was about three times like that where they had almost lost him. And Tim didn't tell me that till just like a month ago. I was like, oh, I'm so glad you didn't tell me. So how, how do you stop that? The bloody nose? Yeah, from going into the stomach. Oh, so you keep your head forward. And you let it drain out. Okay. Yeah. And you there's pressure points in your nose mm-hmm. that you can push and like ice packs. But um, it was just. So once they figured out that it was going into his stomach, what did they do then? Um, Did they just lean you up? I don't know. I don't even know. I guess you know. probably might know because your husband Well, did. no, he had so many bloody noses that couldn't be stopped. That's why we were like, don't do the nasal swab. Um. I just think time eventually, like, oh, I don't even know. I don't even need no, to no, 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 no. I'm I, glad you did. Though. I was just personally curious. Yeah. So. No, it's just like a, and like, you can edit this out. The Dr. Fluchel was like, it seems counterproductive, but blow your nose when you have a bloody, like he oh. would tell Brig, like, blow your nose. That gets the clot out. And then you can start making a smaller clot. Uh, so, okay. yeah. That's good to know. I know, huh? Yeah. That's why I know people that have bloody noses and I'm like, blow your nose. I think we should keep this part in. I think we should too. Tips. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah. So he went through, he went through a lot. Um, He, uh, let's see. Oh, we found out he was allergic to platelets. He had a platelet transfusion, which like one of a hundred and, um, he, his lips, this was another time I went to the cafeteria really quickly and came back and they were like, don't pager. And I look at Brig and there's like 10 nurses surrounding him and a couple doctors. And they're just like saying, like push another 10 cc's of saline. And they were just pushing saline into him and he had reacted to pa- to platelets and was having an allergic reaction um, and, oh, I wish you guys could just see him. <laughs> Has he had like any type of PTSD from all of this? Like, no, he hasn't. No. Cause I would just think, I mean, how many times are you in there? Like chaos right? happening? Like, don't call your parents. I don't know. You know, know, he hears that, right? I mean, and it might show up. That's mm-hmm. something I've learned too. You never know mm-hmm. when all of this is going to come back yeah. and show up. But as for now, he's just like, like this was just his normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was six when he was diagnosed, like he didn't have a clue. And he went through this from six to 13, like six to 12. Like he was, it was just what he knew. Mm. Um, We were always open with him and honest about different things. Like we didn't ever try to hide the fact if something was serious or something wasn't serious. And I think that helped him a lot just to work through what was going on with him. He made friends with a lot of of the other cancer kids there. And that helped him a lot because he um, especially looked up to one, which is Suzanne's daughter. Her name's Ashton. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard about her. It's Ashton's army and she's passed away now, but um, like she was incredible. She was young, just like Brig and just like so focused on God and so focused on like, oh, like we'll get through this, mm-hmm. like whatever happens. Anyway, I think all of those helped him during it. Mm-hmm. And, and as for now, like he'll just be like, mom, remember when we were in the hospital and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, it's crazy all the stories we hear about the kids that have cancer, mm-hmm. just how incredible they are and oh. how resilient and strong and like, I don't know, they're mm-hmm. stronger than me. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, like I feel like they've taught all of us so much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he's um, like he's going to do big things in his life like he already has. Mm-hmm. Just the just the kid that he is and that he can be normal after everything he's gone through is yeah. one of the biggest things that I'm like, oh, that's he's amazing. Um so we finished treatment, like the intense, intense treatment. And 
a year later, we did a repeat LP and there was no evidence of disease, which was awesome. So he like um, was low risk from the beginning because they only found five cells from the beginning of his relapse. But eventually they um, did another one. They couldn't even detect any disease, which is awesome. Um, and then we did like a maintenance pulse from January till June, where it's just like once a month and it's pretty easy. And then um, June, he started radiation and he did that for um, two weeks every day. We would drive down to Huntsman. He would get his radiation. We would leave. And... um like all these experiences were rough on me, but I think they were just like super awesome to him. Like he got to pick the music, put his little mask on. They only did radiation to his neck and his head. And um, like he got through it with no problems. They did tell us in about eight weeks, like we don't know why, but these kids hit a wall and he will probably sleep for two weeks straight. And he did. And I'm like, oh, like every time he'd be sleeping, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, he's tired. Like his, as he relapsed again. But um, no, it was just like the effects of on your brain from relapse or from radiation. Um, so he got through that. In March of 2019, he had his last dose of vincristine, had his port removed. And... Then on March 29th, he took his last oral chemo pill, and then he rang the bell on April 11th, which was so sweet. Um, they have like a bell hanging up in the clinic, the oncology clinic, and he'd walk by it and like pretend to ring it. And I'd be like, don't, you can't, like you cannot ring that until you finish treatment. And so to see him and my girls, they all got to ring the bell. And we had so many people there supporting us. Like, it was perfect. Um, and then they sent us home to go and be normal. <laughs> and um, that that has been the hardest thing. Um, at first, for the first year, probably after he was done with treatment, like it was a relief. I was like, oh my gosh, we don't like, we drive down there once a month for labs. Like it's not a big deal at all. Like this is so awesome after like living down there and after our family being apart and him having to do treatment, like it was so nice. Um, and then after that, what we had been through started catching up to me. Um, and it started catching up to my girls. Um, Brig, he was fine. He's fine. <laughs> like, as far as I can tell, like emotionally, he's just doing awesome. But it did catch up to me and it caught up to my girls. And that's been, that's been hard. Um, and I would, like, I'd be driving and I'd hear this stupid um, Katy Perry song, the... I don't even know what it's called, but it says, like, after the hurricane comes the rainbow. And I would listen to that, and I'd be like, that's so stupid. Like, yeah, right. Okay, the rainbow comes, but, then, like, who's cleaning up all of this mess from the hurricane? Like, who is going to clean this up? And that's what I felt like in that part of our life. And we're actually still there, like, the cleanup of this hurricane. Um, my girls have a lot of emotional things going on because, and I have a lot of like regret and a lot of anger, <laughs> not really anger anymore, but I did where I'm like, this sucks. Like first we have to go through cancer treatment, but then like my girls totally got gypped out of their childhood too. Um, and that's, been something to work out work through um and they do like they have like we have um emotional issues that we're working through like they didn't have a mom um like that hurts more than thinking about like all that brig endured and not really but like he 
got me. He had a mom. He had support. He had all of the prayers, all of the support in the world going to him, and he needed it. But my poor girls were just kind of passed around. Um, like, they didn't have me for big, you know, woman-changing things in their lives. Um, and And I'm seeing the effects of it now, and it's really... It's really difficult. And I think another thing that's difficult is like you're on, I was on such a spiritual high when Brig was in treatment and in, um, when he had cancer, like that's all I could do. Like I couldn't think about anything. I couldn't come up with my own reasoning. Like all I could do was trust in the Lord that like this was what was happening. And like no matter what would happen, like we would be okay. Um, like no matter what would happen. And like I did, like I knew that. And now that we're not like on that spiritual high, like it's it's really, really difficult to try to navigate that. Um, and I don't know if this is making sense at all. Um, uh, let's see. So the after part, like Brig is thriving. He's he's so good. And my girls are getting better. Um, like it's a lot of sitting with them and trying to figure out what in the world is going on. <laughs> and working, like I have found, like in my mind, the time they didn't have with me, I'm needing to make up now with them. Um, and like they, they're awesome girls. And I was like crying last night when I was looking through all of our pictures and my husband's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just sad. Like, I can't believe this is what our family went through. And like, I'm mad that like our girls like didn't get the childhood that they should have gotten. And Brig didn't get the childhood he should have gotten. And my girls walked in, they had left and they walked in and I hear my youngest call my dog a savage beast. And I like, oh my gosh, they are fine. Like they are fine. Um, I, my healing has been different. Like I have post-traumatic stress. Um, I can worry myself into a whatever, a knot, <laughs> like real quick. Um, I, like the first year I was just like, oh, I'm so thankful. Like we get to just be home. We get to just be normal. And then that wore off and I was like, who am I? Like this defined who I was. And now I'm not like considered a cancer mom anymore. Like who am I now? Like, what is, what the heck is my purpose? Like, my purpose for six years was to, like, do this with a positive attitude and with faith and, um, and, like, now what? And that was hard. Um, that, like, I got depressed and I didn't know it was related to that. Um, I got super mad. And I had heard that it's okay to be mad. So I just let myself be mad. Like, I was mad with God, even though, like, <laughs> he like he carried me through that time. But I was mad. And, um, and I let myself be mad. And I let myself be okay with that. Um, when, like, my brain was trying to be like, come on, like, you know... Like, you know that you can't be mad at Heavenly Father. You know, like, you should go to church or you know, like, you should do all these things. I was like, no, I'm going to let myself just be mad. And I don't even know what that looked like, but I just let it look like whatever I needed it to at the time. And that was really good for me because it made me realize, like, what I do want in my life. Um, but, yeah, I got mad. And 
Um, like my husband reminds me, like our kids are the way they are because they went through this. And sometimes that's not the right answer for me. I'm like, I don't care. It's still like, it's stupid. Like it sucks that they have all, like they have issues because of what we had to go through that we didn't choose. Um, but we are to a point now, oh, marriage is hard. <laughs> like the trial brings you together, at least it did us. And then once that's over, you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like the healing part is different. The healing is horrible. Mm-hmm. Like communication yeah. and the way you process. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's hard. Oh, and that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Like at least yeah. I'm not... Well, and we didn't experience the same thing as you, but no. trauma, trauma does it. Mm-hmm. Does that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and that's. I mean, it's good. I think it's good. Like you get to sit back and reevaluate what's important in your life and what's not. And like some days, I miss the primary children days because like it was full of heartache and stress and worry but the peace that accompanied like accompanied us was extreme Mm -hmm. like I'm sure you guys felt it at primary children's um like there's angels there like uh, walking the halls and like I miss that sometimes um like I would go for walks like at night after Brig was asleep when we were in the hospital and I'd just be thinking and then I would be like feeling like I wasn't alone, like to the point where I would have to stop and look around and be like, well, I am alone though, but like someone is walking with me. And I miss that. Um, we would drive up to primary children's and every time we were there, I could feel like my great grandma Clark and she was a nurse and she like nurtured everything like hurt birds and people you know like she was just a nurturer and I could feel her every time we were there and that got to the point too where we'd be driving up to primary children's and I would be like oh my gosh I can't wait to see grandma Clark and then I'd be like no I've never seen her though like but she was there and there's things like that that I really miss about our experience and it's hard to now be back in like real life and not have that what advice would you give somebody that's going through this or that their child just got diagnosed or they're in the thick of treatment like what was the best advice you got that you would give somebody else so really my best advice was like you will not you won't go through this again like there is so much that you can learn and you can feel and so much that is out of your control like just enjoy what you can like make it sounds so dumb, but like make the most of it. Like it's an experience like me and Brig will never get that again. And I'm lucky cause I got to bring him home and he's still with us, but not that I'm lucky. See, I hate that. I really hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all comes down to like one of my friends was like, we're all just walking each other home. <laughs> and is that one you guys have heard? That's like our favorite. Oh, that's what we like say. It's okay. Right. Yep. But it's so true. Mm-hmm. We are all just here together. Yeah. yeah. And we all have our different trials and they don't look the same. Yeah. But they're all hard. And we can all oh, learn all from hard. each other. Like yeah. you talking about your friend Suzanne too. Mm-hmm. Like the little nuggets that she gave you. Yeah. Like, and in that moment, it might sound like common sense. But you needed that. You needed somebody to give you that. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. 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 And it's hard. It's hard. I hate all the things you say too. Like, you're so lucky or you're so blessed. Like, because mm-hmm. we hear that on our side too. Like, you're so lucky for the time you had or you're, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or that you have your other kids. Mm-hmm. And it's all just dumb. It's so just let it go. Okay. You just have to let it go. <laughs> yeah. And just say thank you because sometimes, like, that's true. As humans, 
we don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And Kelsey and I still say stupid things. Oh, and we've yeah. been told stupid things, so we should know better. Well, I always say people didn't know what to say to me. Yeah, I didn't know what and to so, say to me. Exactly. Yeah. I think we just yeah. have to give each other grace mm-hmm. and just say thank you and just let it go. Yeah. Okay. Because they just you won't. are lucky. You are blessed. And you know what? The person that lost their child, they're lucky and blessed too. It just all looks so different, mm-hmm. and we all just don't know what to say to each other. And it's okay. That's true. You know, huh? it's okay. We're yeah. human. So. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's very true yeah because i do remember that people saying things and i'm like really You're like, like did you just sucks. say did you just offer essential oils to cure his cancer oh, no. <laughs> Shoot. <I> know. <laughs> no but i um yeah that is like we are just all walking each mm-hmm. other home like different yeah. trials different people uplifted me at different times um like another thing that i'm like set on stopping is like the phrase they lost their battle to cancer i'm like heck no if you saw these kids fight Mm -hmm. like if you saw them fight like you would know it has nothing to do with losing a fight like nothing to do with that like and that helps me realize too the bigger scheme of things like this is all in god's hand like we are all walking each other home we are Mm -hmm. all going through different things will all leave the earth in different ways. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. If you saw these kids fight with smiles on their faces mm-hmm. as they're throwing up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, um, tell yeah. us like what you, how, what you feel that you've learned the most about yourself through this journey. Man, I think because you come out a different person. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Before I was very a, a very negative person and a very like poor me person, and I think this helped me realize, like one, that's not helpful, and two, like it's not true. Um, like I, I'm pretty positive a pretty positive person now um and so I think that's what's changed the most about me I think I've learned a lot about God um which is so strange because at the same time like now that we're not in the thick of it like I've lost part of that and that really bothers me about myself um but yeah I think the being positive is And that doesn't mean that things don't suck. Mm -hmm. Like lots of things were hard and sucked and I cried a lot and I worried a lot and I was mad and, but you can still be positive and change the outlook on any situation. Feel the feels, change your perspective. Yes. Right. And it makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's hard. I am religious. And so I think relying on, like, I learned what it meant to rely on Christ. Like, um, like I learned, one of the biggest things I learned was the difference between, like, what peace meant. Um, like, I learned I could feel peace even though my son was... <laughs> battling cancer Mm -hmm. um i learned like the difference between worldly peace and the peace that christ can give us um and like that's something that i think about when i think about like praying and praying that it was a fluke praying and praying that like no 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 don't make us go through this um like Looking back, I'm like, I would have missed out on so much. Like, Brigham would have missed out on so much. Bella would have. Bella's my 17-year-old. And Eva would have missed out on so much. Um, Like, it's hard to hate a trial Mm -hmm. when you get so much out of it. When it opened your eyes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not about, I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. you see what life is about, and I didn't see that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like you being on here is a way to like make lemonade out of your lemons because you're sharing your story. You're connecting with people. People can listen to you and think, oh man, I feel that way. That's such good advice. Like such a good little nugget of wisdom, right? But tell me kind of another thing that you feel like you've done like to make lemonade out of your lemons. Um, I, I think because of what we've been through, I relate to other moms that are going through hard things or that have differences in their life. Um, so like right now, and I was, I've been thinking about this cause I'm like, what, what am I doing with this now? Like what, what am I going to take from those years and make it still meaningful in my life? Um, like I work in an inclusion preschool and so we have some kids with disabilities and we have some kids that are traditional. And I feel like because of what I've been through, like I am able to take those mom's fears of being like, like, is he going to be okay? Is my child going to be okay? Like he's got different things going on than the rest of the students and I can help them feel safe. I can help them like trust, like, no, don't worry. Like we've got it. Like when you're away from like this child, like we've got it. And I've been thinking like, that's because of what I've gone through. Like so many people were so good to my kids that I feel like that's how I want to like pay it forward. And because I know what that feels like to be like, I know my child's different, but like, please don't treat them different. And I don't know. I feel like that's a way that I have found that really makes me be like, okay, I can still use that in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I just like instantly bond with these kids and it's the best. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love that advice too. I agree. I think everyone needs to hear that. So yeah, it's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for welcome. coming on and sharing your story with us. And I don't know, just being so awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Telling us about Brig. Well, thank you, thank you, and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to leave us a rate and review wherever you are listening. You can also email us at makinglemonadepodcast1 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at makinglemonade.podcast or Facebook at makinglemonadewithwitandkills. You can also find out more about my foundation, Bane's Legacy, at Facebook and Instagram at Bane's Legacy and www.baneslegacy.com. And you can find out more about my foundation. You can find us on social media at Tay Tough and our website is taytuff.org.